Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening and let me tell you fam there is so much to talk about we gotta get right to the introductions let's lead it off with steph delicious d steph driver i think that it's cool that there have been three sports championships awarded during the time of covid I do not think it's cool that someone who tested positive for the Rona was out there spreading it to everybody else. To be fair, night. he had been spreading it to everybody for several hours at that point. You make a really good point. For an entire day, just yeah, spreading just, it with his with his mouth spray, just spreading it. Probably getting stuck uh, in his beard and shit. Yeah, like that's uh, the that, thing. By the time they pulled him, like it was... It was too late. Like, and yeah. by the if he tested positive Monday and he'd been around everyone the whole time, like, I, it doesn't matter at that point. Like, is no. it good optics? Is it what no. should have happened? Justin Turner joining the celebration on the field, or even having been allowed to start the game? Probably not. But like, I don't know. This is the risk they all took. Hopefully, they all just quarantine for two weeks after this, uh, celebrate to themselves, and don't spread it to the general population. Yeah, but we all know that's not going to happen. Well, so. I'm I'm choosing to live in ignorance. Well, <laughs> there's ignorance, and then there's whatever's happening <laughs> with you right now. <laughs> I'm choosing to live in America. <laughs> yeah, COVID, COVID's done. I decided like two weeks ago that it was done. So yeah, we're fine. Everything's fine. Oh, good. Oh, good. So this time next year we won't have a podcast because we'll all be dead. Yeah. Well, I'm a generally yeah. good health. We could die from so many things. You and I both know this. <laughs> excellent, excellent point. Yeah, like you, you two like take care of yourselves and like have health issues. And here's me. I genuinely don't give a fuck about my well-being. And I got over Corona in like three days. So, yeah. You know. I mean, that's, that's you know, we gen- generally take care of ourselves. Kelly takes care of herself much more than I do. And like we had these catastrophic things happen. So like... My thought was, well, Bill, when something goes wrong with you, it's going to be, the word I was going to use was catastrophic. But you know what? It probably won't be. I'll it's just bounce be right just back. A tiny, tiny bump in the road. It's all Bill genetics and luck. Fine. It's all genetics and luck. It's Smoke true. up, kids. Oh, my genetics are terrible. From theathletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So one thing I'm in I'm in the process of doing a Q and A uh, on the athletic, and one thing that's really I guess it shouldn't surprise me, but it does to a degree, is just how like there are a lot of Flyers fans that basically think that like Chuck Fletcher this whole time has just been lying to their faces about Nolan Patrick, and that actually his career is over, and Fletcher has been lying to them nonstop. That yeah. you know, and, and it's it's wild to me that like that's an opinion 
that like the Flyers, this is some big conspiracy that the Flyers have been trying to keep everyone away from knowing the truth about Nolan Patrick and that actually he's finished. And like, I think I've answered like four questions in this Q&A of people kind of like strongly implying like, is Fletcher actually telling the truth when he sounds like optimistic about Nolan Patrick? Like, yeah, pretty sure he is. Pretty sure they're actually optimistic about Nolan Patrick. Like just because there's a chance that he might not be ready. That doesn't mean that if he's not ready that the Flyers were lying to you. They feel pretty good about Nolan Patrick for next year. Is it possible that he's not ready? Sure. Brains are weird. But, like, no, the Flyers are not lying. The Flyers do believe that Nolan Patrick is going to play hockey in 2020-2021. That is not a lie. That is the truth. Charlie, it warms my heart that you are surprised that a group of people with zero knowledge of the situation whatsoever have developed these conspiracy theories about someone else's health and the lies being told about it and are just convinced of them. It really, it makes me believe in like Santa Claus, basically, that you're surprised by that. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's fair. I, I, I guess with the rise of conspiracy theories in our country and world as a whole, I, I shouldn't be surprised. But no, it, like Nolan Patrick, they're they're hopeful he's going to be ready. If they weren't hopeful, he if they thought he was done, if they thought Nolan Patrick was finished and was never coming back, then they would have went out this summer and gotten a, a center. Like, that, that's the strongest evidence because they know that third-line center was a major, major weakness all season long and into the playoffs. And if they thought that Nolan Patrick was just done and it was never going to happen, then they would have went out and done something about it. And they didn't. Like, they went out, they, they found out that Matt Niskanen wasn't, wasn't going to be playing, was going to be retiring, and they went out and they got Eric Gustafson. Does Eric Gustafson fit exactly what Matt Niskanen does? No, but he's still a body. He's a useful player. They address that hole. The reason why they have not prioritized the third-line center spot in free agency or trade is because they think Nolan Patrick is going to play hockey again. Could they be wrong? Sure, but that is what they think. They are not lying to you. That is actually what they think. Haven't we been talking about this for like two months? Yes, my entire life. Is this the fight that I've been fighting for like two months? (laughs) You mean 12 months? I've been been saying this, right? 12 months? Oh God, it has been, it has been an entire 16 months? Year. Yeah, right? It's probably been more than that. Yep. Kelly was right. It's our entire lifetime. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is it. As far back as memory goes. And like, I I have been saying this. I've been saying this. That's it. Just thank you, Charlie, for validating me once again. And, like, I think it's one thing, like, I'm skeptical of how effective he's going to be, especially early on in the season, if he's available early on in the season. I'm skeptical of how available he's going to be on a night-to-night basis. But, like, I don't believe they're lying, because what good does that do? Like, that just sets them up for, hey, you said all this when, you know, and, and then none of it came to fruition. Like, I don't think they're lying. I just think they don't know, and they're giving you their best fucking, yeah, it seems as if right now he's okay, and, or he's getting better, and he'll be ready. So, I, I don't see, I don't see a reason to lie. This is the state of our fucking country now. People just assume that they're being lied to at all times. As they like, should. Because we are. In, in fairness, we are. We yeah, are being like, lied to at all times. Like, you ever God. see a television commercial, you know? Like, no, I don't watch television. Oh, well, that's nice. I stream Netflix. Last but not least, the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. Since Steph started with baseball, I'm going to take it back to baseball and say that I, for one, 
as someone who pays zero attention to baseball, am glad that Tampa Bay lost because we should absolutely not be normalizing the idea that billionaire owners should strive to make the cheapest roster possible and not pay their players. Fuck that. So I'm glad that they lost with their stupid money ball tactics. Well, you know what, Kelly? I had several bets on the Tampa Bay Rays, so I resent all of what you just said. <laughs> sorry. I wanted Tampa Bay to win for personal reasons, but I understand that other people would not have wanted that. I thought it was cool that like, we got the NBA champion in L.A., we got the Stanley Cup champion in Tampa, and then for ultimate supremacy, they played <laughs> each other in the World Series. Um and now, like, you know, the football team's probably going to win the Super Bowl. So, a dead split between Tampa and L.A. I was at the L.A. Kings game where it was Dodgers night. So, right now on my desk, I have an Anze Kopitar bobblehead. Oh, I'm going to show you guys. No one can see this on the podcast but while you're listening. But it's an Anze Kopitar bobblehead where he's wearing blue and... It says he's got a glove and it says Los Angeles Dodgers on the back. So, like, really, this was destined. To those are actually in that really game. cool. I wish LA would wear those jerseys. They're really cool. I also have two spare because I hoarded all of the fucking bobbleheads from the SB Nation suite when people left and left these things behind. Give so away. If anybody else wants one, <laughs> DM Steph. DM me. Yes, everyone DM Steph. She loves that. <laughs> <laughs> and if you if she if she has your block, just DM me and I'll pass it along. Oh God. <laughs> if you only knew how many times that has actually happened. Like, like how Bill, it's it's more than twice, right? Yeah. Yeah. More than twice. Uh-huh. Oh God. Bill is not my keeper. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, uh, woohoo hockey, right? Um, yeah, it's not. Listen, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you we got a lot going on. Uh, since we talked about the World Series, I will say I appreciate the Dodgers because Chase Utley and Jimmy Rollins went there and did not win another World Series so as to not devalue what they did in Philadelphia. And for that, I was always appreciative of the Dodgers for uh, choking so many times in the recent in uh, in recent history. So, good for you. You got your one. Way to go. All right, let's talk about the hockey team the Flyers at least for a few minutes here. Uh goddamn, do I hate lists, but I am ecstatic that other people care about them so much because it is easy freaking content for us. So uh, Provorov was once again snubbed, our our boy, Ivan Provorov, apparently snubbed from what isn't even a list. It was just like a question, who do you think the top defensemen in the NHL are? And I guess they're setting up like their next top 20 list and getting votes and thoughts and whatnot. And there's a whole bunch of defensemen listed, uh, including, you know, Shea Weber, Shea Theodore, Seth Jones, Ryan Suter, Ryan McDonough, uh, P.K. Subban, a bunch of Chris Letang, a lot of guys who, I don't know, Eric Carlson, didn't have the best seasons that you would think, oh, yes, put them on that list. And our own Claude Giroux, of course, replied to this tweet with a little thinking face and a picture of Ivan. Um, What do we think of this, like, snub? I know we always talk shit on lists, but it did come up during my Q&A on Twitch last night. Like, is this a big deal? 
No, but also this list reads like they asked a bunch of hockey men who thought of the first defenseman they could think of their name, and that was their answer. That's very who, clearly what's ha- what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think who it really matters. Who was good the last time you paid attention to hockey in uh, 2015? Yeah. Who's a defenseman? Oh, yeah, P.K. Subban. He's good, right? Yeah, 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 that guy. What team does he even play for? Oh, who cares? Nashville, right? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? He's still in Montreal, right? Maybe. Um, I could not give less of a shit about this entire situation, but I think it's really, really funny that Claude is so bored that <laughs> he's he, doing he tweets. Decided, he decided to do a tweet. Like, that's how bored this man is. He did yeah, a tweet for like, the uh, not, Patrick not, signing, too. Not like a PR tweet yeah. or anything. It's like he's not promoting anything. He just no. thinks his buddy should be on this fucking list. <laughs> yeah. His his buddy, Ivan Provorov, which, I mean, maybe he should be, but I truly do not care. I got to tell you, though, I've been watching his uh, Claude Giroux's videos about his son, Gavin. Gavin is walking now. Oh, my. And Time flies. And it's, like, snowing up in wherever the fuck they live. And they put him in, like, this Patagonia snowsuit that's too big for him. And Bougie. he's, like, flopping. He's, like, flopping all over the place. And that is a really cute kid. <laughs> Good for okay, you, Claude. So I'm going to make my explanation of this whole thing. Um, so number one, I don't think – I have a couple a couple thoughts here. Number one, I don't think that Ivan Provorov is one of the top, top defensemen in the NHL right now. So I'm not necessarily annoyed that he's not on a list that talks about the top – like how many players are on this list? Is this 20? It's like 25. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe – let me count. Let's see. 5, 10. Yeah, 20. So 24. 1, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, so 27. I mean, maybe you could justify Provorov being on the back end of that, um, but I don't think it's, like, a terrible thing that he's not on there. He's probably in that, like, you know, 20 to 40 range, I would say. However, the problem I have is not that Provorov isn't on this list. The problem I have is that there are players on this list that Provorov is better than. The thing is, there there are also players that aren't on this list that are better than Provorov. Like, where is Jared Spurgeon? Jared Spurgeon is much better than Ivan Provorov, and he's also much better than half the players on this list. Like, if you're making an actual list of the top defensemen in the NHL, I don't think it's ridiculous to leave Ivan Provorov off of it. I do think it's ridiculous to argue that P.K. Subban in his current form is better than Ivan Provorov. I think Ivan Provorov is a better defenseman than Zach Wierenski, and I will die on that hill. Brent Burns didn't have a great year. Like, there are guys who, on this list, I look at, and I'm like, they shouldn't be on. I, I think Ivan Provorov is a better defenseman than Morgan Riley. I think Morgan Riley is extremely overrated. So, like, there are guys on this list that I look at, and I'm like, Provorov's better than. But there's also players in this list that play, there's also players that aren't on this list that I'm like, they're better than Provorov, too. And they were probably bigger snubs than Provorov. So I can't get mad about it. That said, I'm very happy the Flyers, like, I kind of go back, and I, I know I've brought him up twice now, but I go back to Nolan Patrick. Like when Nolan Patrick signed his his uh, qualifying offer, it seemed like the Flyers' leadership as a whole just decided they wanted to do like a let's pump this kid's tires thing. Like you had Voracek talking like, hey, Provorov, or yay, Patrick, like this is great. He's an awesome player. And then Drew was pumping his tires. And now Drew's pumping Provorov's tires on social media. So I love the fact that like they've decided to just like – act like they're this big unified whole that wants to you know talk about how great everybody is like that's awesome and i love it and that's what the players should be doing but i don't think it's like some like 
affront against humanity that Ivan Provorov isn't on this list. I do think that these lists should be better, and it, this isn't a good list, but Provorov being on this list is whatever to me. Like, we always yeah. say, like, I, Charlie, you're an actual, you know, like, journalist and analyst, so, like, you make a list, and it's to make a good list. But lists exist, so we fucking talk about them and share them. And, like, I'm not saying... I, I, I didn't think Provorov was snubbed here either if we are just going to do a grouping of the top whatever defensemen. But the fact that there are certain guys on this list that are laughable, you're like, well, Provorov's better than, you know, seven guys, whatever. It, it, it's funny. Uh, but is there, like, do you think the Flyers are actually like disrespected by national media do you think it's purposeful any like do you think because the flyers have such a loud fan base and you know that they will share this fucking thing to death even if it's just to shit on it do you think that there there's an actual reason to leave flyers out of these things i think no okay (laughs) (laughs) go ahead i was gonna go ahead no sorry I was just going to say, I think that it, it happens because for the last 10 years, the Flyers have been generally irrelevant and have not had many good players. So when you ask a bunch of hockey men off the cuff who is the best X player, they don't immediately think of the Flyers because until very recently, the Flyers were garbage and boring and not fun and didn't really have anybody good except for Claude Giroux. So they didn't really think about them. And like we've talked about it before, like with the Selkie. Couturier always got passed over because the Flyers were bad. The Flyers are finally good. And people are like, oh, yeah, Sean Couturier is really good. He should probably get this trophy. And he did. So I think that the, the Flyers being bad definitely had something yeah. to do with it. No, like we always say, these things are like lifetime achievement awards. And you get them when your team, like when, when your team finally does something, you get what you deserve. I mean, Flyers fans are extra but yeah. so is every other fan base yeah every like, single one like, this is the what Leafs. i know as being a professional in this industry every single fan base is extra and they will complain and they will share this no matter who is on the list and who is left off the list they're going to be talking about it anyway the nhl network is just really really bad at this like they should hire me because they're really bad at all of these lists like charlie has been pounding the table for klingberg and heisken and you know who wouldn't be on this list if they weren't just in the stanley cup final those two guys mm-hmm. like and it's well, everybody just... saw them so like you know the hockey men that haven't paid attention to hockey in six years they were like oh right that guy he was wearing uh what color was it it wasn't blue he didn't win <laughs> I have a serious question. Is it, because it's something I need a consensus on, because I say it differently every time, because I don't know. Is it Roman Yossi or Roman Josie? Yossi. 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 Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. believe it's Yossi. Okay. It's That's what I always say, and then I feel like, no, I think I'm wrong. I'm stupid. I don't know. No, there's no hard J. I don't, I don't believe it's Yossi. Okay. That's fine, then. Uh, Ivan Provorov, do you expect him at this, I mean, at this time next year, we don't know what, off-season off next year, do you expect Ivan Provorov now without the, uh, without the veteran holding his hand, now with some postseason experience, uh, team ready to make a leap, do you expect him to be in this conversation next year for legitimate, like, top 20 defensemen? 
probably not. And that's nothing against... That's got nothing to say negatively about the NHL network, even though I just did say that. And definitely nothing against Provorov's skills. He's just not the flashy type of defenseman that makes this list. He has put up bigger offensive numbers before in his career, but I will say, like... If all yeah, but it's just not flashy. Yeah, if all things go well for the Flyers, like he's not on their top power play unit. So, like if if Shane Gossespierre returns back to form this season, which I'm not saying he will, and I'm not saying he won't, but if he does, he's got a better chance for making this list than Provorov does because he's flashy. Uh, Provy did have that end to end goal against the Habs. Like he's got it in him. I think he's got a little bit more flashy Russian in him, but it's been it's been worked out of him all this time in North America. Like coming here as a fifteen year old or whatever. Like I think they just got to bring out the flashy Russian a bit. See, I just think a lot of it is the quality, as we talked about earlier, the quality of the team. And I yeah. feel like if if the Flyers if the Flyers remain good as we think they're going to, and if Provorov continues to get a ton of minutes. And if Provorov continues to be on power play one and get points that way, then I absolutely think he ends up on this list because if the Flyers go to the second or third round next year, like then everyone will be talking about Provorov. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's all, all of this is about who's in the conversation. And when a team is good, like their top defenseman, therefore is in the conversation because he's getting 26, 27 minutes a night in the playoffs. And then everybody gets to write their stories about how great Ivan Provorov is. And then when these lists come out next year, then Ivan Provorov is on those lists because he's suddenly a guy we all know, like Mira Haskin and became a guy we all know, even though he was pretty darn good all season, no one really cared because Dallas was boring and not that good. Now they're still boring, but they're better. So we all know Mira Haskin it. <laughs> Um, now they're boring with two really fun defensemen. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I think Provorov absolutely could end up on this list. A lot of it, to me, just boils down how good the Flyers are next year and what kind of run they go on both in the regular season and the playoffs. Um, I don't think he has to be flashy. Like, I think there are defensemen here that aren't flashy. Like, Jacob, Jacob Slavin isn't flashy. It's just that, like, he's slowly built up his reputation. Carolina got good, and there's been a lot of stories about Jacob Slavin, and he's become, like, the underrated guy. Like, Charlie McAvoy, I was actually pleasantly surprised he was on this list because he is actually really good, but, like, he's not super flashy. Like, there are guys in here who are flashy, to be sure, but, you know, like Quinn Hughes and Kill McCarr, I think it's maybe a little bit premature to dump them on this list. Like, kind of like how it was premature to dump Shane Gossesbear on this list after his rookie year. I'd like to see them do it for more than one season before I start thinking they are actually the best defenseman in hockey. But there are guys on this list that aren't flashy. They're just like Ryan Suter ain't flashy. So, like, you can. There's, yeah, there's Ryan more Suter just plays 32 minutes, and like exactly. everyone knows that, so he's on. Yeah, like, there's more than one way to get on this list. So, I think for me, it's a lot of it just boils down to how good the Flyers are going to be next year. And hopefully, they're the best. All right, so last night uh, I retook Twitch. I am back uh, doing post-game style Q&As. I plan on doing them Tuesday nights after 9 p.m., as Steph learned last night. After 9 p.m. <laughs> means any time from 9.01 until forever. I started at like 11.15 last night, such as life. I just thought it was hilarious. You were like, oh, you know, 9, 9.15, or maybe a little later. I said 9.15 or considerably later. It depended on the World Series game. The World Series game was close, and then I got so fucking mad, I went out and smoked a cigarette, and then I came in and did the fucking Twitch. That's what happened. <laughs> 
I just thought it was funny. Fucking taking out goddamn a dude. Dom, nine, nine strikeouts through five and a third. Yeah, let's bring in a dude whose ERA dwar- fucking puts my credit score to shame. Oh, but that's genius. the spreadsheets, genius. Bill. The spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> now, that had nothing to do with analytics and everything to do with someone who doesn't understand basic fucking information. Uh, I'll, I, will, I will not diss analytics for what happened last night as much as I want to bash some nerds for losing me money. Anyway... <laughs> Anyway, I I retook Twitch last night. I'm going to be doing these once a week. Uh, And these were some of my most popular questions. Uh, Basically, like, everyone asking about the same thing. Because, hey, how many questions are there really to ask? But I figured I'd bring those Twitch questions here to you guys. uh, And let's let's just get to some of them. Uh, The first one, everyone's main concern... Is Chuck Fletcher done? Is the offseason for the Flyers basically over? Obviously, Phil Myers has to be re-signed. But beyond that, it's not like they have a ton of cap room. It's not like they have a ton of roster flexibility. Is Chuck done? Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say no, but... I, I don't think that there's going to be any of the big deals that people expect um, or that people want. I, I think that it might just be, you know, I don't know. It's not line A what you're saying. What you're saying it's is it's not line not, A. not line A. But Charlie said something that I've been thinking about, and, and this was probably a month or so ago, that there's going to be a time before the season starts where these GMs that have been making or trying to make moves all off season, realize that the value isn't there and there's some emergency moves that they need to make for cheaper than they expected. I'm paraphrasing what Charlie actually said. Um, But I think that we might see something like that in terms of a return, I don't think that Chuck is going to do anything stupid. I, I don't I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm rambling at this point. I mean, I'll answer, even though there's a car alarm going off. So you guys are going to have to oh. listen to that. Um, that's why that's why I was hoping somebody else would jump in, because I'm sure this is going to become part of the sound. Um, in any case, I, I think the chalk pick is that they're not going to do anything else beyond maybe like pick up a, uh, you know, a, a center for cheap. To, to throw into the mix in camp in case Patrick isn't cleared and Frost isn't ready and all that stuff. Like, I could see that. But, like, they're still trying. They're, they're still trying to make moves. They're still on the periphery of, you know, conversations for guys like Line A if, you know, if Winnipeg decides they're especially motivated to trade him and lower their demands. They're still talking with other teams about defensemen that could potentially, you know, solve the the Matt Niskanen thing. And, you know, the, like, the thing with... The thing I'll say with, with the Shane Gossamer situation is, like, if the Flyers absolutely have to move him they could do it it would just suck like and you're not gonna do that unless there's like a pathway an immediate pathway to getting a super impact guy like if you i'm I'm certainly not saying this is going to happen but like if edmonton calls you up and is like we're willing to trade you Leon Dreisaitl, like, let's do a deal, and it's a ridiculous return. Like, the Flyers can then call up a team and be like, hey, I'll give you, like, a first-round pick with Shane Gossespierre. Will you take him so we can get the four million, four and a half mil off our books so we can get this guy, and somebody will do it. Like, if they need to clear space for a guy, they could move Ghost. It's just they don't want to 
for what they'd have to do to move him in like a snap your fingers type move, which is why they're holding on to him because like that there's not that urgency. But, you know, if they could, if something comes together where like you can immediately get a really good top pair right-handed shot defenseman and the only way to do it is to clear four and a half million dollars worth of space, like they'll do it. They'll find a way. So like there are a lot of balls in the air here and there are things that are out there that they, that, you know, if they come together, it would be really cool. I'm just not expecting it to happen. Like, you know, it's not like Fletcher is just sitting on his hands here. Like, he's having conversations. It's just that nothing's really moving at the moment. And does that change? It could. I mean, it always could change. So I'm not going to rule out the possibility of them doing something, you know, whether it's in the next week or so, whether it's, you know, two months from now. Stuff could happen. But I think the chalk pick is that they're pretty much done. Like, that's that. if you were putting money on the way the rest of this offseason goes, the safest bet is that they're basically done. Yeah, like, and that's, my answer was, like, done means his phone is turned off and he's sitting on an island somewhere saying, fuck it, see you in January. And, like, obviously that's not the case. And, like, are they talking about line A? I'm sure, like, that conversation happens. If if Winnipeg was in a big fucking rush to trade him, he'd be traded. Like, there's 30 other teams in the league, you know, and that's that's what people are like, oh, is he going to get line A or is that over? I, I doubt it, but I don't think it's over because no one's traded for him yet. Uh, I, I Like, I to me, I think the smart move, honestly, at this point, unless, like you said, something awesome comes up, is just wait. Like, bank this money. And when all of a sudden you do need something in the regular season, guess what? You're not going out and getting Derek Grant and Nate Thompson. You're getting an actually decent enough player because you have a little bit of cap space. You have a little bit of capital to go out and get something you actually need rather than like, oh, the people need something. Let's get them another fourth liner. Let's get them another Eric Gustafson. Like, I don't know. It seems the smart move at this point, since they didn't get like an Alex Petrangelo, is to just kind of see where this team is after the first month. What a reasonable and good take from Bill Metz. <laughs> it's very unlike Bill Metz. And that is all the <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the great news is that I missed it completely because the NHL just reached out to me about an article Making that a we list? had. Uh, what was that? Making a list of the best defensemen. Yeah, yeah. They were like, listen, your podcast isn't published yet, but we, we need to talk you. to you about your opinions. Um, no, there was an article on the Ice Garden, which is our women's hockey site, about getting a Team USA Barbie, um, and it was written by a 15-year-old named Emma, Emma, named Emma, um, and she's like, there's a Team Canada Barbie, why is there not a Team USA Barbie? So she set up this whole petition, and it got in front of the NHL. And I think that's really friggin' cool. That is really cool. Like I, I, like, I realize our audience isn't exactly Barbie age, but, like, a lot of you grew up with them. That's And a lot of you have kids. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Right. We are, like, a bunch of people we who have old. kids now. Uh, <laughs> there is that. Fuck, we're, like, in our 30s. This is insane. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like, that's that's one of those little marketing things, like, that hockey always seems to fail on that absolutely like that's a no brainer that that kid that 15 year old Emma like deserves a job with the NHL right now seriously she really does head their marketing I, department I, so like go over to the ice garden and look at this and then sign the petition to get a team USA Barbie because I think that that would be super cool I'd buy a dozen 
Just like hand them out on the street. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's a great idea. All right, what's, uh, how far in are we? Should we break and then get back yeah, to these questions? Break. Yeah, all right. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and uh, listen to this ad. Or don't, whatever. Just don't fast forward. Like, pretend to listen at least. And then, uh, and then we'll be back on the other side. Thanks. Okay, we are back. We are taking, we are, I'm just, I am posing the questions I got on Twitch last night to Charlie Kelly and Steph, and we're all kind of coming to a consensus on some of the things our listeners uh, wanted to know from us uh, last night. It's the first time I've talked to the listeners in a while, so I thought it'd be fun to uh, get you guys' opinion as well. We talked about, is Chuck done? Well, there's one thing like still on the docket that has to be done, and that's Phil Myers. Uh, we, we've talked in the past about they probably have a one- or two-year bridge deal in their pocket, and they're going to try to work on some longer-term things, and if that doesn't work out, they can always just go, fuck it, here's the one- or two-year deal, and we'll figure the rest out You know, when we cross that bridge, not to use bridge twice in the same sentence. Uh, so, best guess, what's the Phil Myers contract look like? Last night, people were asking by f- about four and four. Four years, four million. I wouldn't hate that. But I think I have a feeling he's going to end up getting bridged. I, that's just my feeling for absolutely no concrete reason. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with a four and four, it, it, it sounds fine. It's just there isn't a lot of precedent for it for a player in his situation, which I do think is part the reason why this is taking as long as it is. And truthfully, it's not even really taking that long. Like, it just, the only no, reason yeah. why we're talking about it is because there's nothing to talk about. Yeah, they did like, everything that, else. Yeah, like, that's the only outstanding piece of business. So, of course, now we're going to talk about it and dissect it. Um, but, like, it's just hard because most of the good, m- most of the comps that are out there are either, you know, two-year deals or, like, five, six-year deals. And those are kind of stretches anyway. Like, you know, you can you can argue that, like, Steph's favorite boy, Jacob Chikrin, is a comp. But, like, Chikrin was more accomplished when he signed his deal than Myers is. So, like, you'd have to take that as a starting point and then cut it. Because, like, he's not—he shouldn't get the Chikrin deal. I don't even think he really should be getting the Rasmus Anderson deal that he got in Calgary because Anderson was more accomplished. You know, he played more games. I believe he'd average more, more ice time um, than Myers has at this point. So— like, it's just harder. It makes it harder. And I agree with what you said, Bill, that, like, it wouldn't be that hard to just fall back on the two-year deal. And I think that's why I agree with you and that it's still probably the most likely because both sides, I think, on some level know they can. But the fact that it hasn't been signed yet leads me to believe, and as I've said before, I don't have any real inside information on this negotiation, but it leads me to believe that they're trying. They're, they're trying to work out something. Like, the cap flexibility is there for them to give him a longer deal with a higher cap hit. Myers, maybe he's open to the possibility of going long-term because there is uncertainty there. I mean, hell, this guy was a this guy was an undrafted free agent. Like, it's not like he spent his entire life as a top prospect who thought that he was destined to make millions upon millions of dollars. You know, he didn't make the NHL right off the bat. It took him a couple years to, to crack the lineup. So it's not like this is someone who comes in a negotiation thinking that it's a certainty he's going to be a star. So maybe he comes in thinking, yeah, I'm open to the possibility of a long-term deal if we can get the numbers right, and maybe they just haven't got the numbers right. But I, I guess I would say that's a long-winded way of saying I think a two-year deal is still like the most likely just because it's the easiest. But 
the fact that it hasn't been signed yet leads me to believe that they're trying to do something longer, which I think would be cool. Uh, like in terms of what Charlie said about precedent, like Phil Myers, an undrafted guy, he's got 71 regular season games total, less than a full season, including the playoffs. He has like 86, 87 total NHL games. Like he's got a, he's played basically one season worth of hockey. He looks like he's going to be good. It's just like, what the hell? If if you're him, it's like I would love the money, but also I might be a stud. And the team's kind of thinking the same thing. Like we we could be saving ourselves a lot of money with a long term deal, or we have this guy who we're way overvaluing as a number four defense. Like it could go a lot of different ways. Let me tie a couple things together and ask this, because obviously we're not privy to the negotiations. And yeah, chances are it is like a one or a two year bridge deal sort of situation. Um, say they give him a four year deal, which would mean like a, a longer term deal, even if it's one of those six or sevens that Charlie mentioned. Um, that would mean a higher cap hit, somewhere maybe in the $4 million range, maybe a little more. Flyers have about 4.8 available against the cap. Would a long-term Phil Myers deal force maybe the Flyers into a trade Shane Gossespierre situation where before it's like, ah, we're fine, we can try him, whatever, we can keep him, we can sit him, it doesn't matter. If he's here and they're up against the cap, if, if Myers gets signed long-term and they're up against the cap because of it, does that force a ghost trade? I think only if they decide that they need to do something. Otherwise, no. Yeah, I, I don't think it forces one. I mean, maybe it makes it a little bit... I, I, don't, I don't envision them signing Myers to a contract that puts them back in cap hell. Like, I just okay. don't... I don't think they would do it. I mean, I think they would. They might sign into a contract that puts them close. But I don't think this is a situation where, like, we're going to wake up and they're going to have him sign to a seven-year, $5 million contract that immediately puts them in the position where they have to make a trade. Like, I just don't see that. I don't see that happening. I don't think they would. I don't think they would put themselves in that situation. I don't think the, the you know, the the potential long-term benefit is worth the short-term squeeze especially when they're still trying to you know make this into a good team for next year um and as i said i don't think they want to give away shane gossesbury i don't think they want to you know bleed assets just to get rid of him if you know it's a different story if you're getting back a superstar but if you're just re-signing one of your existing players i don't think that's enough of a benefit and i mean look i'm high on i'm high on phil myers i like him as a player I don't like the higher cap that you give him, the better you have to think he's going to be. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I don't think he's going to be that good. Like, I think he's going to be good, but I don't think, like, like if you're, I don't know if he's ever in my mind going to be worth more than like $6 million a year because I just don't think he's going to score enough. So the closer you get to that point, the more you're like, well, like $4 million makes sense because then by the end of the deal, he's going to be making a lot of money. But like, if you're, if you're giving him like enough, that's going to eat up the entire remaining cap space, then it's just like, well, geez, do you think Phil Myers is going to be eventually an eight, $9 million a year player? Because I don't. That's fair. I think he could score more if he just works on one thing. 
not getting his fucking shot blocked. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Just that one <laughs> thing. And, like, we've been saying that about Shane Gossespierre for how long? Like, dude, just hit the net and you'd be one of the best defensemen in the league, by scoring standards at least. Like, if Phil Myers could just stop getting his shot blocked, we see what happens. When it gets through, it creates scoring chances. Like, just get it the fuck through, dude. Yeah, stop doing that, in my opinion. <laughs> I like Phil Myers too, but I, I kind of think that a bridge makes sense for both the player and the team in this situation because like you like Charlie was saying the team doesn't yet know exactly what Phil Myers is going to be and to be fair Phil Myers hasn't really proved that he's going to be a remarkable defenseman and if he gives himself two years to say I'm gonna show you guys and the Flyers say okay show us like it works for everybody so do that to your contract perfect always (laughs) always always I I I mean I I'm absolutely, <laughs> I absolutely think a bridge deal is the smart move for Myers. Like, I if yeah. if I was Myers' agent, that would be what I was advo- I would be advocating for, especially now because with Black the retirement cat. of Matt Niskanen, oh, there's yeah. a very good chance that Phil Myers is going to start the year on the top pair. Like that, that is maybe the most likely scenario, unless their plan is to use uh, Travis Sanheim on his offside. So. If that's the case, I mean, if you put him on the top pair for a year or two and suddenly he is, you know, a five, six million dollar a year player, like why, you know, yeah, the Flyers would get the big time savings for the for these next two years, but then they're going to have to pay him. And if I'm Myers, I'm not particularly excited about getting locked into, you know, a three point five million dollar a year cap hit for the next four, five ish years. See, my fear and like it's what? Not even fear. My concern with Myers being on a bridge is that he and Sanheim will then be in the same situation. And it's like, fuck, we got to pay both of them. We can't pay both of them. Like, that's That's my... That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. At the same time, that is also why you have guys like Cam York and Igor Zamula and Emil Andre in your, you know, in your pipeline because if it gets to the point where you can't keep both of them hopefully one or more of those players are ready to step in as legit top four defensemen to replace them but i'm attached to these guys (laughs) (laughs) i already phil like there's a million things we could do with phil he has an overtime winning goal it's fun you know i I want him sanheim he's the he was the beginning of the process he's like our Embiid. I want Sanheim to be a part of this thing, too. Like, I just, I'm attached to these guys. I want to keep them, and I know in this budget world, especially with the flat cap and COVID and, you know, all the lying they're going to do about revenue, like, it's going to be tough to keep this thing together. I fucking hate salary caps, man. I really do. It's annoying. It's annoying. It was... Sanheim, the beginning of the process? He was Hexall's 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 first pick. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I see. I was defining the process differently. I understand now. Yeah, yeah. I, I just he was the first pick in 2014 that Hexy made, so I make him. Yep. Nope. I make I, him that top now. guy. No, totally. All right. So That's, I, I'm on board. Lots of um, <clears throat> excuse me. Lots of questions about Nolan Patrick, obviously, and Morgan Frost, and what they're going to do at 3C. Uh, like when I just ran through the lines and I was making the lines in my head for the people. I was like, fuck, man, if you're going to ask me, honestly, Scott Lawton's the three seed to start the year probably. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> say Patrick is good to go, and it's the Nolan Patrick of at least, like, 
you know, going into the playoffs of his rookie season. We, we see the arrow pointing up for Nolan Patrick. We're ready to strap him to the 3C rocket. But also, Morgan Frost looks like he's ready to make this team. He's ready to be an impact NHLer. Obviously, one of them could be the 4C, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, which one moves to wing? In my opinion, Morgan Frost, just because of body frame and size. Like, Patrick is the size of a center. Morgan Frost is not. Yeah, it's a fascinating question for me because I've always thought of Nolan Patrick as a natural center. And I've always thought of Morgan Frost as someone who is a center, but I liked his fit at wing, you know, kind of as a playmaking wing. I don't get the sense that's the way the Flyers view them. Yeah. Yeah, you've said that before, Charlie. I get the sense that they think that Morgan Frost, they really want to keep Morgan Frost at center. There's a reason why they developed him at center. I asked Brent Flair when I talked to him a couple weeks ago for my prospect piece about that, and he was like, yeah, you know, we're we're not going to not bring up Morgan Frost if he has to play wing, but, like, the goal eventually is to get him back to center. Whereas with Patrick, I think they seem to like this idea of him kind of becoming, like, a shooter on the wing, um, which is interesting to me because that's not the way I think of the players, and, and, you know, obviously I'm not the one watching them them on a daily basis. I certainly don't think that's the way – Ron Hextall view the players. Like, I think Ron Hextall viewed Nolan Patrick as a center. Only a center. I don't know if Chuck Fletcher and Brent Flair and that whole front office views him the same way. And to be fair, like, the whole thing is that if you take a guy like Nolan Patrick with a second overall pick, you're taking him because you think he's a center and you are invested in him being a center. Those guys, you know, you know Ron Hextall and Chris Pryor, they don't, they're not here anymore. You know, they're not, the the new Flyers front office is not invested in the idea of like Nolan Patrick has to be a center because that's the only way it justifies us taking Nolan Patrick with a second overall pick. They can move him to wing. At the same time, I do think that they understand that having a big right-handed center that can skate and score is so rare in the NHL that they would like Nolan Patrick to prove he's a good center in the NHL. So I think that this isn't a case of like, they're going to move Nolan Patrick to wing this year at least to start if Nolan Patrick can play but I could easily see that being the way it ends up if both players stay on the Flyers and pan out and in Patrick's case can play hockey Um, because I don't think they're opposed to the idea of using Patrick as a winger and I think they really like the idea of Morgan Frost as a center that's interesting I wonder if that if moving him to wing Patrick would like take pressure off of him and then he might perform better. I'm so stop with that narrative. I will stop. I will never stop until stop. he proves me wrong. I won't stop. He has scored over sixty points in the NHL before he turned twenty years old. Stop. That's Just good. because he doesn't look like he's trying hard doesn't mean that he's actually not trying hard. But he only ever had half seasons that were good, and then the half seasons that were bad. Before he was twenty years old. I know. Before he was 20 years old, just stop. Just stop. Please. Like, I'm begging you. My crops are dying. Please. <laughs> My crops are dying. Oh, no, not your crops. My crops. Was it before he was 20? Because he was yeah. old, right? Or was it before he was 21? I think 21, because he was an older draft. Like, yeah, a, couple he, days, he, a couple of days, and he would have gone in the previous draft. Because didn't he turn? He turned 19 at the start of his rookie year, right? Yeah. September 19th is his birthday. Yeah, right. and like the so 15th what, is the cutoff, I think. 
Well, what, what's okay, his what's so, his, his birth right, year? Before he was twenty one. Before he was twenty one. All right. Yeah. Because he ju- yeah he just turned twenty two. I was fine. Yeah, yeah. He didn't play in his year twenty one season. Right. So it was before. Yeah. He had sixty points before he turned twenty one, which is still impressive. Okay. I mean, guys usually don't make the NHL that early. No, no, yeah, he saying. has definitely shown flashes. Yeah. I am not, like, saying I think Nolan Patrick is bad. I just haven't seen enough. I, he hasn't played enough hockey. That's it. He just hasn't played enough hockey. Yeah, and it's not like I'm rooting against him. I really, really, really want him to be an outstanding hockey player. They really need him to player. turn out. He was the <laughs> yeah. second overall pick, and That's he plays the I position they really fucking need. Like, I want us. Well, all yeah. right. So, like, so in you two know, years, you know, I want people to be like, remember when you were on Broad Street Hockey Radio saying all that shit about Nolan Patrick, you fucking idiot? I will feel great about that. Yeah, that'll be the it's best. It's be me. Yeah. It's I know. Be I know. Me, and I will do it every day, <laughs> not just on this show. But I do think, like, both of them, Frost and Patrick, are this imperfect center duo. And I keep drawing the comparison, and it's different a little bit. But I keep drawing the comparison of, like, late career Briere and young Shen. Neither of them are actually centers together. Oh, perfect. Okay, cool. Done. Like, I see, I see Frost and Patrick as a great duo to put together. I like Shen that idea. Shen is a center. He is now. This goes back to the idea of eliminating Shen positions. has been a center for most of his career. He's one when he's on the ice. Like skating, it looks like he's he's skating real hard. He looks like he's because he's trying too hard because he's a bad skater. Early, I'm talking about young Shen early on when he's playing with Briere. Not now. I'm talking about early in his career. These guys are early in their career. I'm drawing that comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love <laughs> I love the idea of putting them on the same line. I, I've Maybe always spring- been been fascinated by that idea because like not only even just talking stylistically, it's cool, but just as functional as. One's a lefty and one's a righty, and it would be cool yeah. to kind of have that like face off. You know, it, it's it's cool with like Giroux and Couturier. Like one of the reasons yep. why Giroux and Couturier have been so awesome on face offs the last couple of years, like they've always been good. They only take they them on their strong time. side. Exactly. Like yeah, you can win sixty percent of your face offs when most of your face offs are in the position where you're best suited to win them. Like in hell, maybe Patrick and Frost could do that too in the long term. That'd be really sprinkle neat. in a little Lindblom. Oh my god. Ooh, we oh saw my god. Problem here, fam. Ron Hextall, what did you do to me? (laughs) Do you need to take a cold shower? You doing okay over there? I just, uh, you know, what the fuck else are we talking about? Uh, Literally nothing. (laughs) All right, so this one was a a tougher one for me simply because, like, there's only so many roster spots, and it's basically set, you know? Obviously, anything can happen, and there are guys who aren't, like, absolute must-haves in the lineup that we're penciling in, but pretty much all the roster is spoken for. Who is the prospect you think is most ready and or most likely to win a spot or contribute next year? Guy who wasn't on the team this season. I think it's Frost. Uh, Frost counts. Okay, Frost counts. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, he played, like, what, two games? Three games? Not a lot. He played, played like, like 18, I think. Oh, did he? Yes. He was only he played... good for like three of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. We're out on Morgan Frost, too. I'm not out. Maybe it's not. Okay, Morgan Frost doesn't count then. I'm, I have to think more. He played, I... I think it was 20 games. He had a goal and an assist in the first two and then went 18 straight without a point or something. That's what it was. Uh, my, my, my instinct, like my gut 
says Igor Zamula. Like, let's fucking roll. Lots of people said Zamula, Steph. Lots of people in the I chat said like, Zamula. I would like to see Isaac Ratcliffe ready to take the next step Oof. just because he's a big, beefy body, but I don't see it happening, nor do I see space for him. Yeah, he's not. He's not ready. Listen, he's a big, beefy body. Who knows how he <laughs> spent this pandemic time, Charlie? Yeah. I mean, I, I've been told he's in the best shape of his life, but like... Oh, fuck. I mean... <laughs> oh, show fuck. That's the last thing I want to hear. And I'd rather hear he's been like drinking himself us? to death for six months. <laughs> no, I, best I, shape I think of your Brent, life means you're going to retire in three weeks. I think Brent Flair on the record said that he's had a big off season in terms of his workouts. So we shall see when, <laughs> if and when the Flyers, you know, players and the Phantoms actually get back to hockey, whether that's a thing. But... Um, you know, it's funny, like, I guess my answer to this question isn't, it's maybe not the ones that people want to hear. Like, <laughs> I guess the first guy I had on my mind, and I don't know if he counts or not because like he has played games, but like Mark Friedman is making this team. Okay. Like he, like he's going to be, even if they have to keep eight defensemen, I think he's making this team. That was a ready. side question. Is Friedman here as an extra or in the AHL? And obviously- no, I, I, if they're if or if not, you know, the AHL exists is a different story. But no, I, I think he's at the point where they look at him as someone who, even if he's not in the lineup, he's learned about all he's going to learn at the AHL level. So because okay. the, the one factor with him and I'm not saying he would definitely be claimed, but like he's no longer waiver exempt. So if they send him down, they would have to expose him to everybody, which, like, not a certainty he's going to get claimed. A lot of teams have promising 24-year-old defensemen who haven't played in the NHL yet. But, like, he could. And I think they think he's ready enough that even that he would benefit from just skating around with the team in practice waiting for injuries as much as he benefits from being too good for the AHL, which is what they view him as. They view him as too good for the AHL. So if you're talking about, like, who's who am I – pretty darn certain is going to win a spot next year it's mark friedman i'm pretty darn certain he's going to make he's going to win a spot now is he terribly exciting no i mean he probably tops out as like a good number four but like i think he's going to be on the team so that's he's, my answer to the question friedman is far more exciting than who i thought you were going to say and it that was the germ no oh no he i, I don't think he makes the team no uh, he's he's, he had he had a he had a really bad second half like yeah, he's he's fascinating to me because I just don't know what happened, and I don't think the Flyers know what happened because he had the real good start to his uh, his Phantoms career when he got off to that great offensive start, was doing all the things they wanted to do, and then he hurt his shoulder. Then hurt his shoulder the yeah. rest of the season. Then he had a good training camp this this past season, so about a year ago when in September had a good training camp, gets sent down, starts out real strong with the Phantoms, doing everything he did the year before, gets a call up, and like looked okay. He, he probably wasn't ready for the NHL, but like he wasn't getting crushed. He was doing some good things. They send him down. He got it banged up again. And then the rest of the year with the Phantoms, he was back to his old bad habits. He was playing too safe. He was, you know, always the F3, high in the offensive zone, trying to protect against counter rushes. And it's like, dude, you have the skills. Go and make plays. And eventually they even moved him to wing because he showed some chemistry with Vorobiev. And they were like, well, maybe putting him at wing is going to have him, like, not play it safe all the time. And it just it scares me that he regressed back to old bad habits at a time when he should be trending upwards. Like, I don't know what happened, but he clearly regressed. So I don't see any chance he makes a team out of camp. I, it I sounds, really don't see that. It sounds like he needs to be told Dave Haxtell isn't the coach anymore. <laughs> 
The I germ, the germ worries me. I, I worry that he's gonna go for, like full Misha. <laughs> the germ just, like, room. I don't think so. I don't. I mean, think I hope he will. Not, but the just the germ worries me Misha. is funny. <laughs> it's different. It, it's different issues with him and Verovia. Like Verovia's issue was that he couldn't like. I think, truthfully, I think Vorobiev's biggest problem is that he's incapable of playing a low-minutes role. Yeah. That he needs to mentally and emotionally get himself into the game, and if he's playing eight minutes a night, that's just not going to freaking happen, and then he just coasts. I don't think Vorobiev doesn't coast. Like, he's always going to give you an honest defensive effort. He's always going to chase down loose pucks. He's always going to fight along the boards. That's not his problem. His problem is that... Like, given the opportunity in the offensive zone to make a player play it safe, he always plays it safe. And that's not effort. That's just, like, your instincts. And you're trying to kind of break his instincts. And can that happen? It's it's happened at times. But then he regressed. And now you're like, well, shit, man. Like, this is the time when you should be taking more risks. And he's just falling back on that old play it safe mentality. And he's 22 years old now. Like, you're wondering if he's ever going to break that. Yeah, like, that Vorobiev thing is is more like, this happens with every player at the bottom of a lineup. They've always been one of the best players. That's how they got to the fucking NHL. Well, now you're not. Are you, can you adapt your game? He didn't seem like a guy capable of doing that. Uh, Ruby is just like, yeah, I don't. How dare you? Like, what the fuck happened to him? Yeah, I don't get it. Um, Like, one guy who I think will have a really good chance of making the team who... I don't know if you really want to consider him a prospect, but in terms of like Calder rules, he is a prospect. Is the guy they signed out of Sweden, Lena Sandin? Like yeah. he's in there, and I mean, oh, we like him. Yeah, like like you don't you don't sign a guy out of the SHL who's a legitimately productive SHL forward at the age of twenty four, unless you think he can immediately make the jump to the NHL. And technically, he's a prospect. I mean, hasn't played in the NHL, and he's. Calder eligible, so he's he's going to be in the mix. I could easily see him making the team. Oh, let's have let's have a twenty four year old Calder guy. I want that. <laughs> let's see if he can steal it from Artemi Panarin. Yes, <laughs> it'll be a real showdown. <laughs> so Kelly, you have a fun idea here. Uh, the the scariest lineups. I just honestly, uh, you said you saw a Habs podcast put together their scariest Habs lineups because of Halloween. Um, Honestly, I just brought up the 2014-15 roster. And yeah, as a lot of the players on my list were from that roster. So. Like, yeah, just fucking <laughs> R.J. Umberger. Like, Nick, Chris Nick Grossman. All day. Yeah. So we're talking scariest as in, like, the, the one that most frightens us, not the one that most yes. frightens other fans. Oh, that's how I interpreted it. Not like it. Yeah. Jay Rosehill. No, I interpreted <laughs> it as, like, the scariest Chris Vandevelde playing top line minutes. Like, that kind of scary. Is yeah, this just, like 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 all time, or yeah, is this realistic? Realistically, for this year, like no, what all is time. The scariest, like, like Ro- Ro- Robert Robert Haig, number one defenseman. Like, what are we talking here? All time. Steph, I mean, I will accept all no time, Mazzaros. But my, my top pairing defensively is Brandon Manning and Andrew McDonald. So it doesn't. You don't have to reach that far back if you don't want to. True. True. No, there like some some scary players. All we really need is Baruby and Hack. Like just. Any combination that you can think of, like, it's there. Like, Zach Ronaldo and fucking Jason Ackerson. Stanley Cup champion, Craig Berube. It's not his fault. Yeah, we're not blaming Berube here. 
What? No, he We're had not nothing to work here. with. We're no, look, I, I, I mean, I, know. <laughs> I don't think Baruby was very good at the job when he had it, but like, who the fuck was he coaching? Bruno <laughs> Gervais. Yeah, like, and he was actually kind. Like Carlo Koliakovo was actually oh, a Carlo nice Koliakovo. pickup for them. Yeah, he was. He was fine. Koliakovo was Bruno Gervais. No, I, that's not. that's what I'm saying. Like. Max it's Talbot's just buddy. any combination of these like <laughs> previous five seasons. Pretty That's much. literally all I know about Bruno Gervais is that he's Max Talbot's friend. That's why he was on the team. I know. <laughs> God, they made so many. Like, yeah, but remember? Yeah. Uh, oh, who was that super fun goalie that we? I had? feel like this is what Fly Which one? does. Cal Pickard. Cal Pickard. He was on oh, my God, list. Cal Pickard. Don't bring up Cal Pickard to me. Cal Pickard was my number one. I just, I can't. That poor man. So the the thing with Cal Pickard for me is I have nothing against Cal Pickard the person. He seemed like a very nice dude in the short time I had to cover him. It was just the fact that, like, for a year prior to that waiver claim, there were fans on Twitter. There was, it was, like, maybe, like, three or four, but they were, like, very vocal, so I had to deal with them a lot, that were, like, obsessed with the idea that Cal Pickard was actually good and that the Flyers should get him. And I was just going right back at them. Like, I think he sucks. Like, I just, I think he's bad. Like, you're, and it was all, it was all because Hextall picked him to be on the Canadian uh, World Championships team. And it was like, well, Hextall likes him, so there's that connection. And then it was the fact that, like, he had the one pretty good year, and then he was really bad the year that Colorado was, like, the worst team in history. And the argument on their side was basically like, well, you can't blame him for that. They were just the worst team in history. And my argument was, well, one of the reasons why they were the worst team in history is because he was really bad. And Makes sense. I was eventually proven right. <laughs> Would you take Cal Pickard over Rob Zepp? Rob Zepp Rob was Zepp my backup. Fun, though. He's fun, though. He is fun, but he was not good. I mean, he was Cal bad. Pickard? Cal Pickard or Cal Heater? Ooh, there's a Ooh. question. I'll, that, Cal he- that one Cal Heater game, though, did give us the awesome Giroux at the end of overtime. Like, uh, it was a great Jim Jackson call. Like, they made a big comeback because fucking Heater let in, like, five of his first six <laughs> shots or something. Like, <laughs> That's ridiculous. See, okay, so here's, here's my scariest goaltending situation, okay? Uh-oh. Because, like— Two years ago? <laughs> okay, so I was sort of kind of getting to that. My <laughs> scariest sorry. goaltending situation is you have a bunch of, like, guys like Cal Heater and Rob Zepp and Cal Pickard, but then your number one goalie is Michael Neuvert. So like, so like, you know, like Neuvert isn't bad, but you know, he's going to get hurt and you know that it's just a matter of time before he gets hurt. And then we have to run through the terrible goalies. So you're just waiting for that inevitability. And that's the true terrifying part of that situation. That's a good answer, Charles. Oh, I was thinking of the wrong game with Giroux anyway. That was not the Cal Heater game. Cal Heater's game. The Flyers did fall behind. 4-1, 4-1, and then came back and tied it, and then lost in a shootout 6-5. Nice. But it was not hold the Drew miracle say, against there Chicago. There were at least seven goals scored that game. Like, there were a lot of goals. Yeah. I remember watching it from Xfinity Live. Hmm. <laughs> That's a... Did you ride the bull that night? No, I did not ride the bull, and I did not get kicked out that night. Ah, I always ride the bull. I know. If you're there, you gotta. If you. you're there, you gotta turn into a frat boy. It's just put on your I've Halloween costume. I've ridden that. I've I've ridden that bull more than once. 
I've done it. There's video. It happened. All right. So we were talking about food before the show. It's Halloween-ish. Uh, just let me hear your hollow. Your I know you all have candy hot takes of some kind. Let me hear your candy hot takes to close this thing out. Oh no. Hmm. Um, we're over an I hour. How like the fuck? All of like amazing. the candy that people don't like. I do. I like it. All fruit flavored chewy candies are bad. Oh, you like whore. Skittles? No Hold Skittles, no Starbursts, no Gummy Bears. Get the fuck away from me. Ooh, I only want how, how can we kick her off this podcast? Can't do Bye, it. Kelly. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, my, my, my candy hot take was going to be similar. My candy hot take is if it doesn't have chocolate in it, it's not worth my time. That's, I've heard Charlie oh say that before. That is the Kelly, the take. fact that you agree is... Listen, I mind blowing. The man's correct. Give me all of all of the super processed sugar that's going yes. to stick in my teeth for hours. I mean, the like, chocolate give bars it have to that too. Me. I need green eleven. All right, I need it. <laughs> I, I'll tell you. Here's here's what you do. Here is the ultimate uh, party prank. You get a big bowl. You fill it with Skittles and Reese's Pieces, and you stir it up. <laughs> And just put <laughs> it dick. on the table and watch people react. Oh, it hates no. you so much. I call I, it. I would, I would actually kill you. I would actually kill you. <laughs> they are so easy to tell apart, people. They're a different shape. Skittles. No? Skittles are more you're round. You're just reaching Reese's in. You're at a party. You're just grabbing a handful. You're not paying attention to what you're putting in your mouth. Who among us? Am I right? High five. <laughs> I, I thank you, thank you, because I couldn't quite get there. But in my head. Oh there my we go. God. Nailed it. Did anybody Off see season, Borat baby. two yet? What? What did you say? Did anybody see Borat two yet? I watched it. No. I have, not, I have not watched it yet. I had several hearty chuckles. As I heard, I don't necessarily find him funny. So you don't no. like cringe humor, though, right? Like I don't yeah. like cringe humor. Yeah. I don't. I don't usually like cringe humor, but I love the first one, so I'll probably love this. It's absolutely insane to me that he was able to pull this off in 2020, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, that like, part is part crazy that to me, me that yeah. it worked again. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't know how you can trick people, like, high-profile people so easily in 2020, but here we are. That's, I was watching wrestling the other night, so big shocker. So Ava <laughs> was upstairs by herself, and she put on Borat 2. I heard her laugh very hard one time. There you go. It's, I mean, it, it wasn't as good as the first one for sure. It wasn't like a laugh riot the whole way, but there were a couple of spots that I laughed pretty hard. All right. Now we're just fucking around. Uh, anything, anybody yeah. have anything else? Um, I bought you a wrestling book for Christmas. Oh. But you already know about oh, it. Oh, right. Yeah, you texted you me that. Yeah. It was written by my colleague, and I bought it, and it's for you whenever I see you next. Oh, well, that's which will awesome. probably be two years. I was going to say, I haven't right. seen you guys in person. I saw Charlie down the shore once this summer. I feel like I haven't seen you guys in person in fucking well, ever. Well, Kelly and Charlie are good friends, and they came to my birthday party. Ooh. You did not. Ooh, ouch. Wasn't that like on a Friday? Sick no. Were you busy? <laughs> no. Was that, was that like your, were you busy getting married that week? That could be. Yeah, it might have been that. It, it was, was I think it was a Thursday the night, wedding. Right? Yeah, it was Thursday. Thursday before you got married. Uh, Steph and I continue to go to bougie dinners, so we're fine. Oh, it's true. It's true. I see these people all the time, just not Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an enigma. That is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for having hanging out. If you haven't already, 
hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. Hit subscribe, and then, hey, give us a good rating and a good review. It would be much appreciated. Uh, that's pretty much it. Um, I'm on Twitch every Tuesday night, BSH underscore radio. I don't really know how Twitch works, uh, but you do, so figure it out. I'll be there. Uh, for Kelly, for Charlie, for Steph, my name is Bill. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports?